0: Hey guys, this is Kevin Estello of Fieldcraft Survival. I'm your host for this ad space right before the podcast. And I just want to take a couple minutes of your time to uh, give thanks to Hoist. And Hoist is one of those hydration drinks that, you know, if you come here to North Carolina and you go into our fridge, you know, we'll often tell you like, hey, try this drink, it's from Hoist. Hey, we've got spares for the student, whatnot. Um, People love Hoist. And you can find it in all the supermarkets around here. It's one of those drinks that, You know, I get it. Water is good for you. But sometimes water can just be boring. And if it's boring, you're not going to drink it. uh, Or there's a chance that you're not going to drink it. So if you have something with some flavor, then guess what? You're probably going to consume it. You're probably going to stay more hydrated. And when you are in our training courses, whether it's in the high humidity of the summer or it's in the the dry air of the winter out in Utah, listen, you got to stay hydrated. So Hoist is one of those companies that we've partnered with. And they take care of our students and they're going to take care of you. Now, all you got to do is use the coupon FIELDCRAFT10, F-I-E-L-D-C-R-A-F-T-10. And you can get 10% off of your order. As I already mentioned, there are ready to drink bottles that you can find in supermarkets. Uh, You can find them here in our our North Carolina office. One of the things that I like is the powdered drinks mix. And the reason for that is because... If I'm going out into the backcountry and I'm using, you know, my water treatment method, whether that's, you know, chemical pills or I'm using a filter or whatever, well, it doesn't always get rid of the flavor. And hoist does a pretty good job of masking that. So I know the water is safe to drink. I just want it to be better tasting to drink. So again, guys, uh, please check them out. I use it. A bunch of the folks here at Fieldcraft use it. My buddy John, you know, who runs uh, the gray farm. John is probably the biggest hoist junkie I know. So check them out, go to their website, use the code Fieldcraft 10 you'll get 10% off of your order. Also, just want to give a shout out to all the students who have come to our classes. Guys, it's been an exciting training year. We've run a lot of different classes all over. Uh, Jared, also known as Army Mace, has been teaching up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, I've been up to SIG. I've been teaching all over out in Utah. A lot of sold out classes. I appreciate every one of you guys for coming out and training with me, training with my team, training with the good folks here at Fieldcraft. So shout out to all of you and hopefully you'll enjoy this podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. hey guys welcome to the fieldcraft survival podcast i am your host for this episode my name is kevin estella i am currently sitting here in the podcast studio in aberdeen north carolina here's north carolina weather for you yesterday 88 degrees i'm in a pair of shorts i'm in a t-shirt today i am sitting in the freaking podcast studio in a flannel and in a wool jacket and i wore that wool jacket for a particular reason it's made by prometheus design works and the owner president, the the Grand Master, the the great Pumbaa, whatever you want to call him, uh, Patrick Ma is my guest who happens to be closely related to the Prometheus Design Works brand. He's going to join us. We're going to talk all about overlanding, camping, uh, product design, our communication back and forth over the years, my writing for the company, you name it. So like I said, yesterday I was in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Today I'm freezing my tookus off and I don't even know what the hell is where that comes from i know dupa is polish because i'm half polish but patrick how are you my friend welcome to the podcast
1: thanks kevin for the uh intro and uh having me on the show today
0: brother i'm so happy to have you on here you know i've always been a, a fan of pdw um i was thinking about it today when i threw this jacket on i'm like what was the first interaction that we we both had and i think it was in like 2015 or maybe 2014 And it was over the titanium watch band compass, which so many people are like, what is that? Where do you get that? And I'm like, it's over here. But I think that was like the first time you and I ever spoke when I was like, I was like a a nobody writer. I mean, I'd written a bunch of magazine articles, but every time you do a cold call and you message a company and you're like, Hey, I want to do a product review. Companies are always like, yeah, you're probably just looking for free gear and this and that. But for whatever reason, you kind of extended a little bit of uh, faith and trust in me and to become a writer, uh, a a writer of your products. And the next, you know, I'm writing for you. So I think, was it 2014 or 15? Do you remember?
1: No, I I don't exactly remember. I mean, it's, it's uh, after a while, the, the years seem to run into each other, but I do recall speaking to you over the phone. And, and even if it's over the phone, you can generally get some kind of vibe off of someone just by the way they're talking and presenting themselves and and um he came across as being legit so you know while i do engage you know quite a few number of you know product reviewers quote unquote you know and um media uh, media contacts uh you seem like a good guy to talk to and uh yeah we, we just took it from there
0: i think it's our asian connection we got to be very clear. Like right now we we're definitely representing Asian Americans. Um, You know, it might've been that Uh, it might've been, I don't know, maybe there was some other shared interests that we had, whether it was vehicles or, or just cool designed products. Like, I think we both appreciate when something is made really well and you can look at a product and say like, okay, there's no you know, heavy machining marks left on it. Like they, it was clean. It was neat. I don't I don't know what it was, but, but we clicked. And then, uh, next thing you know, I started getting boxes of Prometheus design work stuff in the mail. And to this day, like people are like, where did you get those pants? Which I always think it's strange when a dude asks me like on the range, like, Hey man, I like your pants, but, <laughs> but I mean, I get, I get it right. Like and they are awesome. I've owned many of PDW pants over the years, and they're just designed right. Um, but let, let let's talk about that company PDW because again, I get messages left and right from people, and they're like, "Well, where is this company? What makes it unique?" And it's like, "Hold on, let's let's talk to the guy who who started it." So where did where did that idea come from? And kind of walk us through how you became the designer of clothing and gear and I mean, I know you've got 20-plus years of experience in the field. Where does that all begin?
1: Where does it all begin? Well, let's let's dial it way back, way back when to, to when I was a kid, kid growing up in the um, Adirondacks in upstate New York and the foothills of the Appalachian, Pennsylvania. This is where I largely spent my childhood. And um, – oh, hold on. Hold on. All right okay, you still with me
0: yeah, I'm still here mm-hmm.
1: okay yeah it's had a, I had another call come in and interrupt us. No worries. Um, man. yeah so uh, basically growing up in the um, in the rural areas on the east Coast I mean I was smack dab in the middle of the forest. I mean, I was in the woods. that's how I grew up. I mean it's it's uh, from I mean, the first really days I can remember of, of a kid roaming around uh, it was just um, it was a life spent outdoors. Um, I always seem to have a particular knack for, uh, for just gear. I mean, I was just always drawn towards it. I remember as a kid going to the local sporting goods store, you know, just a, just a, you know, real mom and pops shop in town that had all your, you know, camping gear, your, your Coleman stoves, uh, your, your, uh, you know, back then $5 flannel shirts, Mm -hmm. uh, wool pants. Uh, this is all right on the cusp of the really the 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 revolution that was to come in outdoor equipment and apparel. And this is when we started seeing a, a big shift and move towards nylon cordura in particular for making packs. Up until then, everything was Oxford pack cloth, that shiny nylon mm-hmm. back in the uh late 70s and early early 80s is when we started seeing cordura come onto the scene. And we started seeing the first instances of polyester fleece jackets. This this really turned the industry on its head. You know, it up until then it was it was you know heady cotton. It was wool. Um, if you wanted to survive in the cold and wet, you wore wool. There was no, there was nothing like polyester at that time. Um, the closest thing you would have was maybe an acrylic hat. But uh, anyways, it was it was a really exciting time and and uh, just checking out the the sporting goods stores in my area and, and going into a big town like Albany, New York, which is a, about an hour away from my little town in upstate New York. I hit up a a, a uh, an outdoors big brand outdoors. I can't remember were called, but they were basically the equivalent of the East Coast REI, and I started seeing some really cool mountaineering gear. Oh, was it East, um, was
0: it Eastern Mountain Sports?
1: Exactly. Dude, That's I right. used to, I used to work
0: I used to work for EMS back in the day, 97 to 2004. And yeah, yeah, okay. uh, good times. It,
1: it was a great brand. It was it was it was the East Coast version of REI. They they, you know, unfortunately came to their demise some years ago, but um you know, they were one of the big original um, you know, mountaineering grade outdoor stores. And um yeah, just just started really learning um, the differences between the different major categories of outdoor, uh, the outdoor industry, which is really split up into two, uh, which is you know hunting, and fishing, which we often terms re- refer to as cast and blast, and then your climbing, mountaineering, backpacking, backcountry skiing, and all those mountain sports, and that's what you would call core outdoor. So you had cast and blast, and core outdoor. So that's when I started learning there was, you know, differences between the two. And I'm going to say probably the individual that really broke me through and introduced me into the core outdoor world uh, was uh, a teacher I had in school. He was just a classic grizzled old school mountaineer, you know, had his ratty, holy. Norwegian sweater. He would cross-country ski to school in the wintertime. He was always had permanent five o'clock shadow, salt and pepper hair. Just a real, you know, curmudgeon, but a really good guy. And he saw that I had expressed an interest in uh, these kinds of sports and activities. And he just he just took me under his wing and just, you know, showed me the ropes. You know, took a mountaineering class in school he taught. Um, he showed me the basic ropes of cross-country skiing. And from there on out, it's it's pretty much uh, a a general and gradual evolution to where I ended up uh, in 1997 and started my first brand.
0: Man, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I want to
1: say is the proverbial you know, rest is history.
0: God, you know, but I want to talk more about that history because I know a lot of the listeners right now are probably saying like, oh, my God, I remember the early 90s and the 80s when certain products came out. And I'm just going to mention a few and like a few things from my history that you're going to be like, oh, I remember those. I remember one of my first backpacks was from uh, a company called Camp Trails and there was Camp Trails. And it was like an internal frame backpack. And I remember telling my mom at the time, I'm like, mom, I really want this for Christmas. Mom, this is the only thing I want for Christmas. I want an internal frame backpack. And she's like, well, what the heck is an internal frame backpack? And I'm like, listen, there, all the climbers are using them because they move with your body as opposed to like an external frame. And I remember like that was a big deal. And I remember there was a, at the mid nineties, early nineties, there was a TV show called uh, uh, Trailside with John Veman and that was like one of the coolest shows ever and i was like oh my god they're backpacking oh they're sleeping in in quincy's like i remember when a lot of the gear that i had went from that cheap nylon like you said to more of like hey let's learn from the mountaineers let's use lighter weight gear and i remember when there is that like it's almost like when when ski jackets went from fluorescent to like not so fluorescent not so 90s almost like when that grunge revolution happened there was a revolution in gear, um, and and it's fa- it's so funny that you're mentioning that your teacher uh, kind of took you under his wing because when I was in when I was a student at my high school, there was a teacher who ran the outdoors club, and that teacher same type of guy right like hiker. Uh, his name was Mister Maury. Um, he was a hiker, salt pepper hair, a little bit of a curmudgeon, you know. And then I became a teacher in the same high school, and I was that guy. So it was kind of like the shoes on the other foot. And one of, one of my former students, I'm gonna call him out because I know sometimes he listens. So Luke Schilling, uh, this kid, when he was first a freshman, I'm, I'm like going through, him like, okay, let's tell me about yourself and write whatever you write want down. And this kid writes down, I'm really into bushcraft. And in 14 years of teaching high school history, I never once had a kid say he was into bushcraft. And I just look at Luke when he said that, I was like, Luke, we're gonna be friends. And then sure enough, when I left teaching, this is after he graduated, he actually took me out for coffee. He's like, Hey, Mr. Estella, can I buy you a cup of coffee and thank, say, thanks. I was like, yes, you can, sir. Uh, I don't think I actually let him buy that cup of coffee. I was like, you're, you just started a new job. Um, but I, I met up with him nonetheless. So it's, it's kind of cool when you see that and you hear about those stories of teachers or, or these mentors that bring people in under their wing and and help promote the sports that, that we all love. Um, and I'm, I'm so, Excited that you took it to the next level and you started a brand. So what was that first brand that you started?
1: So, so, you know, the, the, the first brand was, uh, was, uh, triple lot design where we're known as Tad gear. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, I saw an opportunity to create and design gear that I personally wanted for myself. Like you were saying, you know, back in the nineties with the grunge scene, I mean, we started seeing a a visual aesthetic trend where things weren't necessarily as, you know, bright and fluorescent coming off of the the new wave 80s. And things just became a little bit more subdued and just toned down, which is which is great because that's that's all about, you know, my vibe. I don't like uh, I don't particularly care for super bright colors. Maybe some hits of orange that you'll see in my designs, but generally it's a pretty subdued palette. And, um, you know, Back in 96 and 97, I'm here in the Bay Area now, San Francisco and Oakland, and this happened to be the very epicenter for some of the biggest core outdoor brands today. The North Face founded, started, and was headquartered in the East Bay for decades. They just recently moved to Colorado, but uh, up until very recently, they, they started here in the Bay Area. Uh, Sierra Designs, another old-school brand that's been around for decades, starting here in the Bay Area. Uh, Mountain Hardware, which was founded from a bunch of alumni from the North Face, um, also based uh, and still is based here in the Bay Area. And there's a host of other smaller brands that we've probably heard about here and there. They, they've all started here in the Bay Area, some of which are still in the Bay Area. And certainly for my brands, they were started and are still here in the Bay Area. So that being said, um, during the 90s, uh, we started seeing a, a real uh, offshoring of uh, a lot of production work, and in particular, um, the, the sewing of apparel, the sewing of backpacks, uh, as well as some billets and CNC stuff. So it was an opportunity for me to basically just head out there and and literally walk into these factories and just ask like, Hey, uh, how do you get this? How do you get the started? How do you do this? And these factories, they lost a lot of their clients and their business to offshore production. And they were empty. They were, they were waiting for, for people to come and, and look them up for their services, which I was just right there, the right time in the right place. So it was just a, a coalescence of a lot of lucky factors that allowed me from with no experience to learn the ropes from factories. At this point in time, were they had time to be able to teach me. And everything there was was just uh, empirical experiences, learning from my mistakes, learning what went well, what didn't do well and um, creating goods that I saw a personal want or need for. So you know, some of my first jackets, you know, adding the the sleeve pockets, so I could have, you know, my smartphone or some accessory or it's the power bar or even a notebook to store. Um, you know, adding loop on the sleeves, taking that from the the military and law enforcement worlds and applying that towards, you know, quote unquote, civilian um, apparel, but the ability to be able to create morale patches, which again, I helped usher in into the the industry in ninety seven. Was just a, a great way for people to uh, customize and individualize their equipment, putting them on a a, a loop swatch on a backpack um, on their clothes, and all this stuff. It certainly resonated with a consumer that hadn't seen anything like this before. But when they saw it, they're like, you know what, this is cool, and, and I want to I want to use it. So it was again just a a great sequence and coalescence of a lot of factors that allowed me to do what uh, I was able to do yeah. and uh did that for, ran tag gear and the uh, result design operated that company for about i don't know 13 years or so mm-hmm. and then then uh, took a, a well obviously had a separation with uh, uh some some new new people that brought on board it just obviously did not go well um and decided just to to leave, enjoyed the birth of my second child, take some time off, and then started PDW in 2014, I think.
0: You've mentioned a few different factors that just kind of all came together and helped you create this brand. And I think one of those factors, which I think is one of the reasons why we get along so well, is you definitely draw inspiration from some of the most famous movies that any kid can watch they're timeless and say that's a cool movie, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, the, the those two right there we can we can end the list, but it seems like there's design inspiration in a lot of what you do from like the little Lego men to some of the the morale patches that you just mentioned from those movies. Were there any other movies or TV shows that helped you come up with the brand that you have now? I mean, what were some of the Pop culture references that you still like going back to in order to kind of draw inspiration from.
1: Oh man, that that is a huge can of worms you just opened up there. Let's Kevin. open
0: let's open um, this can. Let's do it. Let's go.
1: I mean, you know, as as you know, as any any kid, any boy, you know, we just my buddies and I we just loved any kind of adventure, action, sci-fi. Uh, even fantasy movies i mean it just it, it just opened up all the doors and windows to imagination and certainly a very profound sense of adventure and you know growing up in the woods i mean you know we, I, I spent my weekends just heading out the back door and going into the mountains that's we did we would hike for hours we'd have a compass of course yeah find our way back but um it was just Miles, hundreds of square miles of just open wilderness and backcountry. It, 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 having seen these movies and TV shows, just help add all this, all this narrative color to what it was that we were doing. We we immerse ourselves in, you know, like hey, we were, you know, on a on a new, myst- mysterious planet, exploring a new land or you know, even. You know, playing like we're on patrol, trying to get to the enemy and, you know, seeking cover and, and hiding out, laying down ambushes, all the stuff that, you know, as, as most boys did, um, was certainly inspired by Star Wars, Star Trek. I mean, uh, it's for sci-fi references, but um, gosh, any number of other. Oh, my gosh. A lot of the classic World War Two movies, the big red one. Mm-hmm. Um Oh my gosh. I mean, where'd he been to get Rambo was another one, another strong contender for, for influential movies. And I know certainly resonates with you.
0: Oh, I was going to say, you're speaking my love language right now, man. We're talking about (laughs) John Jay and running around the mountains of hope. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) But there was even a, a John Belushi film where he was just this, uh, this pack a day smoker, reporter from the city that goes and, and has to do a story on eagles or something in the, in the, in the mountains. And that was a, I think it was actually one of his last films, but even movies like that, um, gosh, it's, I mean, there's just so many, but, um, at the end of the day, all these films and movies and, and even TV shows just really helped light that fire of imagination <laughs> and bringing some of that, that, that fun, that entertainment, um uh, certainly is is a huge influence in um developing my aesthetic um certainly which is couched in in purpose-driven design uh, but you know seeing certain things like you know a, a weight like uh, a certain jacket might be worn by han solo mm-hmm. in star wars certainly reference um you know even some of the uh accoutrement uh if you will the EDC that the Jedi would carry, the EDC that Captain kirk would wear and use—those um, are all sort of the the, the protogenesis of, of a lot of what we do today. And um, yeah, it's just it, 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 all these things have been around for decades, decades well before me. Like you mentioned, bushcraft. Mm-hmm. Like I would go to the library in the summertime and just get as many books as I can on wilderness survival and camping. And I don't think the word bushcraft was ever used. This is just the way it was. You know, how to build a campfire, how to, uh, you know, chop down pine bows and lay yourself a place to go to sleep, how to build lean tubes out of fallen timber and wood. And and again, pine bows, Um, you know, using pine pitch. Um, All these different things were in all these books that were literally written in the 30s, 40s and 50s. That's the stuff I read as a kid in the 70s and 80s. And this stuff is all what we know now as bushcraft, but it was just simply outdoor skills 101.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's the a day. there's like we could track it back and we could say like um you know like Dave Canterbury has bushcraft 101, you know, he's he's a well-known uh TV presenter. Um Ray Mears from Great Britain, he wrote a book called Essential Bushcraft. And then Mm -hmm. Morris Kachansky here in North America wrote the book Bushcraft. So those are really the ones that were like in the 2000s. But then long ago, and it wouldn't have been in your library long ago, there was Richard Graves out of Australia that wrote the original book Bushcraft. And when people say, oh, Bushcraft, that's Morris Kahansky's word. I'm like, actually, not really. It's this guy, Richard Graves out of Australia. And his book is fantastic. But some of the content in there is very specific to that that continent. Um, You know, It's funny because there are so many great books that are out there that if you spent a little time in your library and you went to the section that was in whether outdoor sports or nature, like maybe a kid is never going to want to be a naturalist. But you go into that section and you can find books that you know, all that information is free. It's at your fingertips. We got to put in a little bit of work. Um, I used to do that with, I mean, God, I I used to do that with the edible plant books. And I, I, I like, if I'm stuck in a city for a long time, I'll go to the library and just see what books they have. Um, I can't say that I have ever strategically transferred equipment to an alternate location guys. That's an acronym strategically transfer equipment to an alternate location. Um, but maybe I've liberated a couple books that might be pressed into service in another place slightly better. Um, There's so much good information that's out there. Now I got to ask you one related unrelated question because this one's just on my mind. I know you're a Star Wars fan. Does it bother you a little bit that Ray just happened to know everything and she didn't have to go through the same training that Luke did?
1: Uh, Did I open up another can of worms with that one? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's the old debate, right? You know, nature versus nurture. Yeah, and I think the only way to explain it for her is nature, and she was born inherently with an exceptional uh, talent or ex- exceptional inherent ability with the force, being able mm-hmm. to manipulate it. And if you have that, I mean, you know, that that that's basically, I think. Mean, more than 80 percent of the battle because if you have those kind of powers i mean everything else is going to pretty much be um, a, a simple or quick learning curve and how to utilize you know how to, your lifesaver yeah you know how to do uh you know basic uh you know swordsmanship and, and fencing techniques if you've got the force on your side it, it's it's going to be a lot easier but of, of a of a you know training path if you have that
0: Okay. I'll 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 take that one. I know a lot of people are like, I, I've heard a very similar argument. And then I'm like, well, how do you explain that she can fly the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> like like me. That's just me being a nerd, right? Like I I it is yep. what it is. But uh so let, yep. let's talk about okay, you you learn from some of the the great companies in California. You are inspired by these great movies, um, but there's another side to PDW that I think ties into what what we do a lot here at Fieldcraft, and that's overlanding, which our CEO here, Mike. Mike would always say, Well, overlanding is kind of like the gateway drug to camping. Because if you don't like roughing it, which that's your background, that's my background, go into the hills with a backpack. Sometimes you come out cold and wet and hungry, but you have a great time. If you don't want to do that, you start an overlanding. And you can recreate a lot of the uh, creature comforts from home out of your vehicle. And I think that's become a kind of a staple for PW. I mean, where did your interest for that come? Because I know you're not just into the SUVs and the old school land cruisers. You're also into motorcycles.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, with 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 my first brand, um, I got to say that the, um, the reason why it was uh, sort of uh, dialed towards the the tactical community was some of the very first consumers and customers to really get what it was that I was doing. They, they were all members of the special operations community, of, of which I'm very grateful that they understood what it was I was trying to do. They found a, a, a very uh, a strong connection with the purpose-driven uh, design that I was doing, that the extra pockets, the subdued colors, and they they picked up my stuff, and I went with it. I, I really tailored uh, my designs towards that community because they were they were my diehard core consumer, and I really am grateful for that. And I I followed that aesthetic up until I I pretty much left that brand in two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. So when I started PDW, it it was a chance to sort of revisit a lot of other earlier interests I had in the outdoors and bring that to the story and the overall brand positioning. You know, the the adventure was the top 50,000 foot view of what it was that we wanted to promote, the lifestyle of adventure, Uh, and then the many other different types of it that you could do from backpacking to car camping, which is now known as overlanding, to camping, Adventure travel, where whatever you saw fit that would fit your own story. We wanted to be able to create a brand where you wrote your own stories, whatever it might be, in adventure lands, but using our equipment and gear. The overlanding component, specifically, again, is a lifelong fascination with life and experiences and careers outdoors. As a kid in the 70s, we would watch a lot of the Nature shows that would take place in Africa, uh, Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom, um, uh, Born Free. Um, These are shows where you had people living in the savannah and getting around on what? Old school Land Rovers. And man, I thought that was the coolest thing to have a vehicle that can cover over rough terrain where there are no roads and largely self-sufficient. I love the idea. I mean, at the very core of all that I do in design is to give the user a sense of capability and self-reliance and autonomy. So carrying that interest from the 70s was a it was an easy transition for me when I got my, my very first car I've ever had as a kid. My very first car was a 1978 FJ40, which I got for twenty five hundred dollars
0: oh my god so you can, what you can
1: imagine that? how things have changed since when i first got my fda 40 that was my very first car because it's just it's always always had a very strong and profound influence in my own sense of how i like to see adventure and carrying that over into into pdw was uh, a, a natural transition being able to to bring that in as one aspect of how you wanted to have a, an adventurous life um i love the idea that you have your home it's it's your home is where you park it um it's self-sufficient everything you can carry with you is in that rig and as a lifelong backpacker there's certain things you just don't want to bring or you can't bring and you certainly can't bring the kitchen sink when you're in a 4x4 four you literally can bring the kitchen sink for the creature comforts. Um, it's great for bringing the whole family out there, and certainly since I've had kids, doing things outdoor has been a family affair. It's not just me backpacking with some friends; it's me backpacking, car camping, pack rafting with my kids. So it's certainly been um, uh, a natural evolution of my own outdoor activities. And uh, it's it's been a great, literally, it's been a great ride.
2: This episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus. Why do our hormones suck as we get older? Our human growth hormone and its derivative of growth factors can reduce by 50% by age 35. And it doesn't matter how hard you train, how good you eat. If we don't have the proper hormones in our body, we're not going to get the results we want. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind non synthetic alternative to prescription human growth hormone. All the benefits of synthetic HGH without any of the needle side effects or doctor's visits. Guys, that's the ad that I'm supposed to read and it's the truth. But I've been on BioPro myself for a year and a half and it has drastically changed my life, my fitness, and my health in general. I suffer from traumatic brain injury from years of blast overpressure, uh, working with explosives, and uh, I don't suffer from any of the side effects anymore. My fitness is better than it's ever been and I'm going to be 45 next week. So head on over to BioProteinTech.com. Click on the link, use code Fieldcraft for $30 off your first order. Don't take it from me. Go try it yourself.
0: You know, I think one of the, the interesting outdoor adventures that you're speaking of, that was one of the first things that I kind of, uh, you know, noticed on your website was you went to some of the filming locations for return of the jedi and then you would do these trips to mexico where you would cut the illegal fishing nets while diving and again using your equipment promoting an incredible message right like find your own adventure that type of thing but then also those mexico trips where again you're helping the environment and not just like helping the environment like hey let's only use paper straws that type of thing you know let's forget about the Millions of or billions of pounds of plastic that other countries are doing like you're actually doing like really really good work in your backyard That is truly impacting the environment I mean, can you explain a couple of those trips that you've done with your own gear and like the the impetus or the drive behind it?
1: Sure, absolutely, um, you know getting out to um, uh, the desert location where Jabba's barge was located was I mean? I mean, how awesome is that? Not only did we get to the location, but you could still find remnants of Jabba and the barge. His his barge still in the desert, which is incredible. Because looking back on it, that's you know, I'm what 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and it's still there. But just being able to go there and sort of making a pilgrimage to a location of that of return of the jedi was was uh something else and and doing the bunch of our four by fours our rigs with a bunch of friends you know we we, we brought costumes we brought lightsabers we went full on these star wars nerds on that trip it was it was a great time um but then uh getting out to um uh the, the trips in baja mexico um you know we're going to some very very uh primitive uh locations um like tiny sleepy sleepy little villages um so you know we had to drive down from uh the bay area all the way down to uh to baja past uh, san felipe and um yeah we had to carry all of our gear we had to carry our diet gear um sleeping bags and whatnot of course and um You know, the roads are mostly paved, but you get to certain sections that are not paved. And uh, it was great to be able to have a vehicle that was capable and could handle that kind of road or lack of roads. And uh, when we were there, it was uh, it was at at the invitation and behest of the Mexican government. They assigned their equivalent of a federal park ranger that would be our liaison. And uh, we would actually go out on the boat into the um, into the. um, sea and locate illegal fishing nets that were placed to poach some very rare species of fish and we did this for a number of years you know it's really trying to clean up the the leftover nets i mean when the nets were left over they were still there and they were killing and catching other sea life like sea turtles um you know and just uh, sharks little hammerheads and whatnot so it was just it was bad for the wildlife altogether. in addition to you know poaching. Uh, a species, which is again illegal, and this is all honestly done and run by the cartels. The cartels decided at some point that it was more lucrative for them to cap to kill, to capture and kill these species of rare fish and sell them on the black market than it was to traffic cocaine. At least in this area. By the last time we had gone, uh, which was either 2017, 2018, we had done enough quote unquote damage to the cartels uh, and their operations there that um, uh, we we had we received threats, pretty serious ones from the cartels. So we knew at that point it was a little too risky. And unfortunately, we, we had to pull back our work. Uh, but since then, we we note, noted that, um, you know, there's full on temporary processing assembly lines on the beach now where they you know they go ahead and and catch these uh these fish these endangered species of fish process them right there on the beach put them in packaging and ship them out to wherever their black markets are so uh, we did what we could for a while and we we felt like we were able to make some sort of positive impact but at the end of the day you know when when you got cartel people starting to you know, basically shake their, uh, sabers at you. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's time to button things up and walk away.
0: Wow. That is wild. I mean, I don't have much experience with the cartel, not, not much. And I'm okay saying that, like I did a, a TV show pilot in La Ruma Rosa, Mexico. And I remember the security guard that we had with us was like, no, 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 we like, we can't cross that one fence over there. Cause like we had to navigate and he was kind of our liaison and he goes, no narco narco. And I was like, Yeah, no, I'm not messing with that. Um, you know, they're, they're everywhere. They're, they're down there, they're everywhere. You know, you can look at what's happening right now and say, you know, how much of that is driven from, you know, cartel trying to get into this country doing their thing here too. So I don't blame you for stopping that. Um, and if anything, it helps redirect the focus of the company a little bit. Um, at some point you decided you're going to diversify even more and you made Prometheus Design Works um, have a branch called Danger Ranger Bear which I'm, I'm happy to say I, I write for. I love writing for that because as a writer, as a writer, I'll come to a, a magazine editor and I'll be like, hey, uh, I want to write this article. And I'll be like, well, no, it's, you know, you're not talking about any of the the sponsors, the people that advertise and, oh, no, we don't like that one because, you know, it's a little too too quirky or oh almost anything that I've sent to you or whether it was like, here's how you make a poncho raft here's how you shoot a slingshot, you know, like here's all these like crazy things. You're like, yeah, let's do it. So it's been a great creative outlet for me to just get these ideas out there that no other magazine or or publication would want, but you see the merit in it. What is the whole idea behind danger ranger bear? Like why, why the separation from PDW? Like what is that, uh, 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 DRB podcast and or not podcast, a blog all about like why, why the, the diverse diversification
1: of it? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, and first off, you know, we we love your stories that you've written uh, for DRB Danger Ranger Bear. It, it's it's they're they're right up in line with what we like, and uh, and 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 dude, we're we're happy to get those articles from you, and we, we love publishing them and sharing them with our our uh, our fellowship. So DRB is short for Danger Ranger Bear. Was a character I developed from the onset from Prometheus Design Works, which is uh my, my current brand. And uh, you know, PDW is a very purpose-driven uh uh brand. It's it's um the products we do are really very carefully considered. We spent a great deal of RD and T and E to make sure these products do what it is that we want to do. And again, just a, a quick little sidebar, you know, having been in the outdoors and then enjoyed the outdoors for for pretty much my entire life. Um, there's there's nothing at PDW that we design and produce that we would not personally want to use ourselves. So it is very, very couched in a, a, a personal inherent desire to get equipment and gear to use and wear that works works well for our, their intended purpose. Um, so that being said, DRB was a way for us to explore a couple of different things. To have, um, as serious as PDW is, we ourselves as people are not serious. We, we laugh at ourselves constantly. We're always cracking jokes in the office. Uh, and we wanted to have a, an a overt voice of levity for the brand. And that came in the, in the guise of Danger Ranger Bear. Who's obviously a play on uh, another character out there in the <laughs> outdoor world, but um, this is this is the more uh, tug and cheek, perhaps a little uh, snappier, uh, and sometimes a little bit uh, grumpier, uh, but in a in a in a lighthearted way, um, type of character. So it was a way to explore these um, this the, the the lighter side of the brands and stories and and well the presentation as well as certain kinds of products. Similar to, I would say, like how double RL is to Ralph Lauren. I mean, that's a whole nother, you know, ball of wax when it comes to uh, brands. But as a good example, double RL is a sub brand of Ralph Lauren that uh, explores uh, a lot of the more heritage, vintage retro styles of which, again, has been always a very strong influence in, in my designs. Uh, sometimes things, they just simply work. It doesn't matter how old it is, but they work like we still do wool shirts. We love wool. Mm-hmm. Wool's a classic, fantastic, natural, technical fiber and yard. It's been around for millennia and will continue to be so and still operate and behave with, with some of the best synthetics. but it's a natural fiber. So it's got less impact on, uh, You know the the carbon footprint and and all that sort of stuff as well but it allows us to explore these kinds of styles especially in the woodsman shirts that we do under the drb label um that are wool and more vintage styled um so drb in short is a way for us to touch into our our heritage roots in terms of styling and design especially in the outdoor world as well as give us a, a a voice of levity and an ability to share stories that you might not necessarily be able to read and in, in other platforms and venues.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, some people have reached out to me and they're like, I can't find any of your articles on DRB, DRB. I'm like, okay, understand that we all write under pen names on DRB. And it was funny because when I was talking to Alex, you know, who, who works with the Alex Riley, he's like, yeah, you got to choose a pen name. And I was like, I want to be the honey badger because every, every pen name was, was an animal. And he's like, no, someone already chose yeah. that. And I'm like, of course they already chose it. Like if you're going to be anything, that's what you're going to be. So I was like, I want to be the the mountain gorilla then, because I was like, I, if I don't have my coffee in the morning, I'm just like a like just a grumpy old man and I'm definitely graying. So I'm like a silverback, right? Like a majestic silverback. He goes, okay, you can be that. Um, but that, that's definitely a fun blog. And there are a couple articles that I've been kind of, you know, putting on the back burner that I want to write just cause I want to put them out there to the world. And you guys are going to be seeing more about that. Um, but one of the things I got to say about, about PDW and, and kind of like my story and. It, and how it intertwines with Patrick is like, it's been really cool introducing friends to Prometheus Design Works because they they see that the company's on the same mission. They're they're putting out gear uh, for good people and doing good things like one of the the early interactions I had with Patrick and a friend and, and myself was I was at Kyle Defoe's shooting class, his pistol class. And I'm going to go on the record and say, Kyle is probably the best pistol shooter I have ever trained with hands down, period full stop. Like the man can shoot better, not just with pistol, but with carbine and with precision rifle. Like the dude is incredible. He's a good friend. He wrote a recommendation for uh, the back cover of my book. Um, amazing dude. I'm at a shooting class. He goes, yo, what jacket is that? And I'm like, oh, it's Prometheus Design Works." He goes, oh, can I try it on? And he, the same jacket I'm wearing right now. He tries it on. He's like, oh, I got to reach out to him. I'm like, I'll put, I'll make the introduction. And I think Kyle might be your, your greatest, I hate using the word cheerleader because Kyle's a former SEAL and he's a, a total badass. But Kyle <laughs> might be the greatest cheerleader for PDW. Like, I wear your stuff all over; people can see it in my photos. But like, Kyle really goes above and beyond to promote it because you guys you click so well with the motorcycles, with um, you know the idea of adventure travel. And Kyle's on the road more than I am, and I'm on the road a lot. Um, but Kyle's a, a legit dude. So, guys, please check out Kyle uh, DeFore DeFore Performance um because he's in the circle too but you're not only working with kyle you're working with dave wenger you're working with all these other makers that like oh my god like all these companies like we're all in the same path to bring cool stuff to people um is there anyone that you want to work with that you haven't yet where you're like if you guys are listening or if you know anyone like is there anyone that, that you're like man i would love to do a collaboration with this guy that guy or this this woman or whoever
1: Gosh, um, you know, there, there. This at this point in time, I have never seen as many outdoor brands and and whatever uh, category it might be, Cast and Blast or Core Outdoor. Uh, in, in I've never seen as many brands as in, in my entire life, from from small, you know, garage shop uh, level to to bigger, well funded. Uh, brands and I, there's there's just so many um, I, I couldn't begin to think of a, a brand that I would want to work with in particular mostly because at the end of the day every brand has their own agenda <laughs> then they have their own interests at heart um, but you know there, there's great folks like you know like, like Kyle who's just man he is just solid 110% and he is in the industry, which isn't necessarily another consumer products brand. He's not. He's, he's an he's, he's a instructor. He's a, he's a weapons instructor, a firearms instructor. And that is a great dovetail for us in terms of promoting a certain kind of lifestyle that works very well with in terms of our own personal uh, interests. And it's something that we don't do, but he does it and he does it exceptionally well so it's great being uh you know be in the same room with that guy um but other other brands uh well obviously it's been great working with you kevin because you know we see eye to eye and so much stuff our our sense of adventure nature uh you know just a, a very practical approach towards wilderness skills um that's been another great association and you know i've got some others out there we there's there's a Really cool kid that we know in Southern California. He's a he's a great lifeguard and uh, uh, aquatics rescue guy. He does a lot of stuff that uh, we really admire. Uh, he's a great surfer as well, and uh, you know very much taps into our our California story. Um, and you know, d- despite all the certain things that we'd like to perhaps change about our state, you know, which aren't so great, uh, there is a lot of wonderful natural majestic beauty. In the state, we've got Lake Tahoe, fantastic skiing, just an hour and a half away from the Bay Area. We've got beautiful redwoods, like 15 minutes north of us. We've got great beaches. Th- those are the reasons why we stay. Those are the reasons why we love our state. It's just the natural beauty and all of the outdoor things that you can do within literally an hour and a half from our doorstep.
0: I got to get you connected um, with uh, with Jillian Rebecca. Uh, Jillian Rebecca is an overlander. She's from California. Um, she's right in our demographic with all the cool things that we like doing. And I think when you connect with her, when I set you guys up uh, to do something, you're going to be like, why didn't you connect me with her sooner? Like, she's just so damn cool. And uh, and she's someone who loves that state as well. Um, I, I, I don't think you mentioned Big Sur, but that might be one of the most incredible places I've ever traveled to in California um, or the United States. Like, Big Sur is a place you have to see once and you'll understand why you need to see it again. Um, th- you know, there's big, so big,
1: much. After, <laughs> big Sur has been a personal favorite since I was, you know, a teenager. I mean, since I was, it's one of the very first places I went backpacking. And um, it's actually, we did a really great uh, cannoneering trip. Uh back in this pretty much the onset of pdw it was a bunch of us getting together we, we had some esp espn video guys with us um we had uh um brian uh from uh, its uh he joined us on the trip and we just all got all of our gear in backpacks that were waterproof and hiked up this river canyon it was a fantastic trip and this is all in the in the Big Sur area. It's it's beautiful. Um, Majestic Canyon, Redwood Trees. uh, It was a great trip. Um, So yeah, I mean, definitely have a, a personal uh, soft spot for, for Big Sur as well.
0: Man. So now, where is the company today? Because I know when I go home after this podcast, I, on my doorstep, there's a new watch cap that's an OD green that Alex sent out to me. And I'll probably wear that this weekend when I'm at Georgia Bushcraft. But like, you guys are always sending out new stuff like and i feel bad i'm like oh my god this is a new product it's so awesome but like i mean you're going and going and going like where where are you now like what where's the company headed and say like next year or so is it more of the the camping because i'm noticing you're doing some stuff with like hardcore axes and you know, you're doing the, the insulated ramen bowl, which either people understand that or they've never burnt their fingers holding a titanium bowl. Um, where are you guys <laughs> going? Like, where's PDW headed?
1: Well, PDW is, is certainly headed with uh, just overall product growth, where as we uh, – get a little longer in, in establishing our production network, we're able to explore products that we've talked about literally for, you know, eight or nine years now, Mm -hmm. but have yet to find until recently, um, the ability to actually produce. And as your network or your infrastructure grows, your capabilities also grow. So we're able to realize the vision we have for a lot of products. Like, um, like, Our Stratus Down hoodie, which we've done for a couple of years now, it is, I mean, I'm a big believer in Goose Down. It is the world's most thermally efficient insulator known to man. I mean, full stop. To be able to produce a jacket like that using the best downfill, a hydrophobic process, that keeps the down from getting soaking wet because as we all know you get down wet it's useless as an insulator Mm -hmm. Um, being able to add stretch fabric to the shell of a down jacket virtually unheard of until a couple years ago these these are all aspects that we bring to bear and what we believe is literally the best in class down jacket in its category and especially at the price i mean there, there there's another big brand out there they've done a great job over many many decades They've got a a down jacket, which uses less downfill. It's not as high downfill power. It's not hydrophobic. And it's probably 40 bucks more. So do the math. You can get a fantastic, state-of-the-art, best-in-class goose down jacket from Prometheus Design Works for a fraction of the cost. And we're able to do so because we did the research, took the time to find the best factories at the best price that can produce us the best product. Uh, For instance, the titanium ramen bowl. I mean, it's just anybody who's gone camping in the cold knows how fast cold uh, food can get when it's chilly out. And having a double wall insulated bowl just seemed to make a lot of sense, especially to the overland crowd where you can bring that kind of stuff with you on on a camping trip. Um, We're introducing this year our first three layer EPTFE. Hard shell jacket, and it's called the Aegis Hardshell LT. LT for light, because it's a lighter weight one that you can actually pack, throw in the backpack, and take with you anywhere. Um, it's full featured, fully seam taped. It's it's easily twenty thousand plus uh, mm, which is the waterproofness, and easily twenty thousand plus uh, moisture vapor transition rate, which is the uh, breathability. I'm getting a little technical here, but that's fine. I just want people to know that this jacket is probably it's it's i'm really looking forward to releasing it to you guys and showing it to you guys because it is a fantastic jacket uh using cohesive hardware um great features and details and it took a while to find a factory that could do this for us so again that's where we're heading is and where we're headed is to a place where we can start producing more and more goods that can realize our vision when it comes to quality and technical features
0: yeah and you know what's interesting is that you know just when i think that the the clothing couldn't get any better you're like oh we're releasing uh those pants but in a totally new fabric you're going to love them now i went through multiple moves across country right like i moved from connecticut to utah and then i moved from utah to north carolina but i've done multiple trips across country because at one time i had to move my ex-girlfriend across country with me and then long story but um, I had to get rid of, I downsized a lot of stuff. I never downsized the Prometheus pants. I have like, if people are like, oh, you're wearing the same pants over and over. I'm like, no, they're the same pants, just different fabrics. Like th- there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to get rid of, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to it because it works well. Um, what's interesting, I think is that you guys are always innovating and we should always try to find like what the value add is is for any type of new gear. Like if you're about to buy something, you should slow down and say, hold on, what will this do that the other one won't? Like, is it just a new color? Because color doesn't matter as much, but performance does. And, you know, and, and I'm the worst person with understanding all the fabrics. So what is that one? It's like ATR fabric or uh, what is it? It's like the, the it's almost feels like a, like a soft shell fabric, but you're making the shorts out of it. I can't think of the name of it, which oh. one is.
1: It? Yeah. Well, that's our heaviest fabric and that's what we call the expedition cloth. And it's, it's a, um, basically a soft shell. It's a nine point, a nine plus ounce, uh, performance synthetic nylon, poly and elastane, which is just the stretch material. Yeah. Um,
0: that's my, yeah. that's my go-to. I tell people like, if you have a have two pairs of pants and you can wear one and wash one, guess what? You can wear those pants for months on end, just switching back and forth and and cleaning them when you need to clean them. Like like I'm, I'm sold on those, on that fabric. And man, there, I have one pair right now that's picking up a few stains and I'm like, Jesus, I, I feel terrible wearing it, but they they still wear really well. Um, but yeah, I, I like the idea that you guys are constantly looking for new, new fabrics instead of just saying, well, eh, I guess we could use this, it's worked in the past. It's like, there's always something new, something innovative. And I like that about the company is that it's not just about inventing something, it's innovating something that's already out there and making it better. Um, I got to ask you because another aspect of your persona, another aspect of your life, it's not just Patrick, the owner, of PDW and the film buff and the overlander and the adventurer, you're also a dad and what's really cool. And I've noticed this a lot in the past year or so. is like, you're starting to show your kids more and showing like their journey in the great outdoors and you know, that they're carrying their own gear, like what kind of words of wisdom do you have for someone? who maybe they're interested in the great outdoors. Maybe they're brand new to fatherhood or brand new to motherhood. What are some of the words of wisdom that you have for a parent that wants to bring a kid into the great outdoors and create a lifelong love of the great outdoors? How do you plant that seed the Patrick way?
1: Wow. Um, Dude, I'm I'm hitting you with the
0: hard ones today, aren't I? Yeah, no, you are,
1: man. Uh, That's a great question, but I do have to say, and and I think any, any any person that is a parent will understand, because it's something that only happens to people that have children. And it is having kids is the greatest adventure and journey any person will have in their lifetime. It is, it is fully giving themselves to something that is greater than themselves. And it is a psychobiological imperative that just takes over and we can't control it it's it's uh and just go with it go with the ride enjoy it to the fullest it is the best thing that you can ultimately do is to create memories with your children to teach them the lessons so that they can be good decent people and share whatever it is they want to share and contribute to their society their culture their village as they get older, it's the best thing that you can do. And memories—I mean, I, I make a shit stack of really cool gear. I mean, not to be boastful. I'm just saying that you know it's what I do. It's what I'm, what I'm pretty good at: knives, clothing, backpacks, EDC stuff. But at the end of the day, you can't take any of that shit with you when you die. Right, Nothing right. doesn't matter. What matters, and you're on your deathbed, is the memories that you've created with your family that's what really matters so when you introduce children to the outdoors you have to be able to show them how different it is than your typical home life it's about the small stuff it's about it's about the difference in this leaf versus that leaf hey guess what this is a Blackberry, you know, you get these in a grocery store, but if you get this at the right time of year, it'll be bigger, juicier, and sweeter than anything that you can get in the store. And you again, to start teaching them just again about self-reliance, that they can do these things for themselves. They don't have to pay for it. They don't have to buy it. They don't have to drive to the store. They can just go somewhere in the backcountry, in the woods, or even just you know some, some houses with the backyards and get the bears from themselves. Being able to show children and your kids that there is a whole new exciting world out there that is very, very much the core of what it is to be alive. Being able to enjoy, to live in, to thrive, and to challenge yourself in a whole new natural environment is, is probably one of the best experiences that you could ever share with your kids. How to eventually, ultimately introduce them? It's it's really up to you, but I think it's really great to be able to start with the small things like, hey, check this out. This is this is a a type of bug. Check What is it doing? This is this is how it actually gets food. This is how it tries to survive. Um, Showing them that there are stories to be had on a smaller scale that can be created in this natural world is, I think. It's it's probably one of the best ways to introduce and, and dip anyone's toes into this whole arena of life. Man, I love that.
0: Yeah, I, I just, I, whenever I'm hearing you talk about that and, you know, I'm listening to the way that my dad, you know, raised me and, and I can just revisit those expressions that you just used, like the greatest adventure and, and you know, the the excitement of everything. Like I think back to my dad, and it just makes me want to give him a call right now. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, We are coming close to the end of this one. And aside from finding you in the desert looking for Jabba's floating lair or looking for, uh, you know, adventure in California, where can people follow all of everything that you're doing, the company and all that great stuff?
1: Well, it's, 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 it's the land and world of social media. So uh, you know you just certainly follow Prometheus Design Works on Instagram and we have a Facebook page. Although I think you had a really good feeling of what it is that we're doing, what we're about, things that inspire us, it probably is, it's best just to follow us on Instagram under Prometheus Design Works. And we also have a side, uh, a side account called Be the Outsider which is a uh, Instagram account that we love sharing pictures that are from our, our customers, our users, and our fans. It's a way to share a, a greater um, sense of community by showcasing what our, our, our fans do and what they like to do with, with when you, even without our gear. I mean, ultimately it's, it's about, it's about living that life. It's about getting out there and enjoying yourself and whatever form of adventure that you can think of. Just do it. It speaks to you. Just, go out and do it, man. Enjoy it, live it up, make those stories, create those memories. Yeah.
0: That's what I love about the company. I just love that spirit of adventure, which is a very real thing. And, you know, I'm going to continue being adventurous and I'll continue being equipped with your gear and I'm looking forward to the next time we, we get a chance to hang out. It seems like it's always a blade show, but I might take a trip off to California. People are asking me to come and train in California. So I might have to swing by that, uh, that Bay area and, and catch up with you guys at some point.
1: that'd be great man it was it was uh it was a pleasure being on your show kevin thank you for the invite today it was great chatting with you and uh just keep on doing what you're doing man you're you're knocking out of the park
0: i'm doing what i can and guys thank you so much for listening to the fieldcraft survival podcast i'm your host kevin stella till next time